only six seconds left, and then Chad Kolarik will be released. Six seconds of power play time remaining. Henson was thrown out of the uh, face-off circle because Desch went over to shout instructions to Kalorn. Thank you for listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at WCBN.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward. Here's Hensick. Now to Kaloric. He's behind the defense. He's in. Shot and score. Chad Kaloric out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4-0 lead. Your radio is on. It's on 88.3 FM. WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor's 24-hour open-minded radio surprise pudding. Licensed to the regents of the University of Michigan. Operated by students at the University of Michigan. Uniquely maintained as a healthy alternative and a positive influence on the mental health of the Ann Arbor community. You are here. Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And just my brief comment about the Rodriguez situation, I'd be very surprised if he's fired this year. My hunch is they'll give him one one more year and then play it by ear next year. They do have a lot of talent coming back next year, and improvement needs to be made, but uh, I think firing him at this point would be kind of a mistake, even though I think... More bad money after bad. More bad money after bad, because you got to buy out his contract, right. then you have to restart recruiting all over again, and I just think they should take a year to find a appropriate uh, successor to the whole situation. Uh, college football is... Way too much hyped by the media. There's too much entertainment surrounding it, and the coaches are way overpaid, period. Um, and certainly we had plenty of it this weekend. Anyway, um, on to more relevant things. Uh, kind of an odd, you know, odd week with the Thanksgiving break, sort of breaking everything up and all the bizarre focus on shopping. Were there any stampedes this year where anybody died trying to get into a mall to get a... No, I didn't hear of any deaths. Uh, Usually there's of... almost guaranteed to be one death somewhere in America from... Well, somebody fell at the uh, Chicago football stadium uh, to their death. Oh. But, uh, no shopping-related casualties that I'm aware of, but uh, well, lots of people camping out yeah. you know, in the wee hours the night before yeah. to get and... in line for... Retailers making announcements that they're going to be open on Thanksgiving. I mean... Nothing sacrosanct anymore. Not even organic vegetables. 
Rush Limbaugh's always going on about how the pilgrims ate organic vegetables. And I was like, yeah, that's the way they grew them back then. <laughs> anyway, big story of the last couple of days has been the Wikipedia business again. This is sort of the third document dump in basically three months. I think what's interesting about this story, besides the fact that it sort of didn't have much legs when the first document dump happened uh, in the summer, and then there was another one right before the campaign that actually focused a little bit more on uh, British and American um, torture and war crimes in both Iraq and Afghanistan, primarily the former more than the latter. This latest thing with the State Department, I just want to give out a brain damage award to Peter King. Why would anybody go out and tell the world that Wikipedia are terrorists? His declaration that they're terrorists. And he's always trying to hype the terrorism thing no matter what the event is. He came into notoriety back during the Clinton impeachment business back in the late 90s when he was one of only a few Republicans that thought this was a waste of time and a bad idea. So he's got that little mavericky streak to him, and thus he's a reliable uh, uh, quoter or quotee for, that's terrorism. He's always talking about terrorism every single time. Uh, and uh, Well, it's certainly an easy card to play, and yeah. it's uh, still the big bugaboo. Um, although its increasing overuse renders it increasingly meaningless term. Yeah. Um, the Nixon administration's attempts to uh, quash Daniel Ellsberg, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I don't know if they quite called him a terrorist. They tried more direct personal attack methods first. Um, but it's the same basic thing at the end of the day is an embarrassing revelation of internal documents. Mm -hmm. Um and so you try to discredit the source of the leak, um, although, yeah, terrorism is a pretty meaningless term in this context. Very meaningless. And it strikes me that most of this stuff really is embarrassing more than right. secrets are being revealed. Well, there's really no surprises among yeah. the revelations. Yeah. I mean, the listing here of the some of the most uh, noteworthy anecdotes from these WikiLeaks is that King Abdullah of Saudi Arabia and the Crown Prince of Abu Dhabi would like to see a U.S. military attack on Iran. Well, that's no surprise. Both countries were stalwart supporters of the U.S. long-term policy of propping up Saddam Hussein yeah. as a bulwark against Shiite Iran. So that's there's nothing surprising there. Um, the revelation uh, about uh, trying to remove uh, weapons-grade uranium from a Pakistani uh, research reactor, well... That's a good thing. We should be trying to do that. Um, again, we all know Pakistan has nuclear weapons. That's no secret. Uh, or the startling revelation that the half-brother of the Afghanistan president, Karzai, is widely understood to be corrupt and a narcotics trafficker. Yeah. Again, no surprise. It's been widely reported. <laughs> now, it was news to me that Berlusconi and Putin were such buddies. Uh, well, that's not too surprising. It is news. It's it's interesting. It's it's news in that sense, I suppose. But, but not uh, earth-shattering no, secrecy. Berlusconi is clearly uh, not above getting into bed with anybody. 
And a straight, Literally. And a straight man always needs a clown, too, so right. Berlusconi serves the purpose of Maybe the clown. Maybe what the WikiLeaks really speak the most loudly about is that the digital realm of information is shockingly vulnerable. Yeah. I mean, these things are dispersed across the Internet with the rapidity of a couple of strokes of the keyboard, and uh, the State Department is scrambling to say, whoops, um, what's the language that the White House used in there? comments on the matter um it uh the white house described the field reporting in the cables as candid often incomplete and not an expression of policy and really no one i think takes them as such yeah because a lot of it is raw reporting raw you know it's in bits of pieces here and there yeah. and it's interesting that it's almost as if there was a a grudge by uh, Bradley Manning was the original guy arrested, uh, private first class Bradley Manning, who allegedly, by the way, snuck out this uh, secret information in a Lady Gaga CD. <laughs> he erased the, the Lady Gaga. <coughs> the world's all the better for that, I'm sure. And uh, replaced it with this stuff. And it, yeah, it's. It's inter it's an interesting story for a day or two. It was interesting that uh, Attorney General Holder, Eric Holder, basically said that this is a criminal act, not an act of terrorism. So labeling these people as terrorists, as Peter King did, is just ludicrous. And uh, I, I, I find it interesting how much more coverage this third document dump got than the other two. Mm. Uh, the middle one actually had some embarrassing, real nasty stuff about the war in Iraq. I thought the most interesting thing, because I actually watched the C-SPAN press conference of it, was the uh, significant upping of the number of uh, Iraqi casualties yeah. as a result of the uh, invasion of Iraq by the United States and Britain. Uh, George Bush wasn't going around selling books that week, but... I guess that's a fortunate thing. He uh, waited until after the election to sell his books, burnishing his image. And uh, I don't know. I, I I didn't really find anything in the, in the documents that was secret. Recent history. It's it's raw data. It's titillating. Um, I, I think that the geopolitical aspects of, and as for you know the embarrassing aspects of what. Certain diplomats said here and there, gee, who cares? The same sort of thing is said in those circles on a daily basis. Yeah. It's uh, it's part of the trade of information. So I'm sure we'll see more of this stuff. Uh, they probably, I, you know, what I find interesting about it is the timing, because the editor mm. uh, of the New York Times was actually on a talk show earlier this afternoon that I heard part of where he indicated that They'd been going over the documents for two months. So it was interesting that there was an operation today in Iran involving nuclear scientists. Right. I don't know if you heard about that. Bicycle terrorists operating in Tehran on behalf of presumably Israel. Very interesting stuff. Um, don't know what's in the Wikipedia, Wikipedia leaks about that, but... Probably not much. 
Well, last week, uh, the IAEA was reporting a cessation in Iran's uranium enrichment program. They weren't sure why it had uh, been shut down completely, uh, but perhaps these new revelations will shed some light on that in uh, days to come. I guess the other big story from last week, although, again, big story kind of in quotation marks, is the uh, Korean North Korean missile. Yeah. Um, this probably really is more indicative... Uh, to coincide with the planned uh, South Korea-USA uh, military exercises in right. the region. The Chinese reaction is probably the most interesting aspect of this because, you know... The uh, Chinese and Japanese commentators on this are basically saying this has more to do with internal North Korean politics than it does any outward-reaching challenge towards the South or any country, really. Um, Though it's interesting that the defense minister of South Korea resigned and the yeah. president openly apologized for not protecting the South Korean people. But, uh Yeah. North Korea is always the mouse that roars. And then, of course, it's obligatory to have a, an immediate story linking the Iranian government to the right. North Korean government. And which followed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> That's par for the course. <laughs> the axis of evil. Right. Yeah. Bring out the old uh, tropes. Um, I'm somewhat skeptical of the connection between the two. I'm sure that Iran is, is, is working on its nuclear pro program for its own reasons and... North Korea is is always, you know, the mouse that roars. Well, I think probably there's a higher degree of uh, engineering sophistication amongst the uh, Iranian scientists than the North Korean. Certainly there's more opportunities to study in France or what have you. Uh, you know, not many North Korean nuclear physicists studying abroad. No. <laughs> But on a in underground bunkers in North Korea, yes. Oh yeah, that's perhaps the, uh, that's... always been listed as the real reason that North Korea is so pesky. You can't really invade them because they actually are run by insane people. <laughs> Dug in in the mountain. Dug in in the mountains. They have traditional artillery embedded in the mountains. They have then... anticipated the mine shaft gap and are way yes, ahead. Yes, way ahead, and <laughs> definitely think the Korean War is still going, which. You know, as part of the problem, I, right. I definitely think that the Six Nation talks more of that's the way to go. Um, but, yeah, the the occasional saber rattling by North Korea, I, I don't know, a couple of years ago they fired some missile that was some, something like one-tenth uh, the uh, uh, atomic equivalency Japan, right. of, of Hiroshima. I think it went 88 yards and right. might have surpassed the... The wooden plane that Howard Hughes demonstrated <laughs> so successfully for the Senate committee. The spruce goose. The spruce goose. It flies. <clears throat> Got all of about 35 feet off the ground for yeah. 299 yards or something. Well, yeah, the two uh, are fairly comparable. Uh, on a similar note, a regional missile test. Of course, who knows? Maybe Howard Hughes is running North Korea. <laughs> As long as everything's lined with tissues. He's been discovered. <laughs> his secret is out. Well, and his secret army of uh, Mormon manservants. Yeah. And so perhaps there's a job for Glenn Beck in North Korea. <laughs> nuclear subs. Always doing mysterious work for the CIA, that Howard Hughes. What a rascal. 
Well, and a generous giver to uh, both political parties, as a matter of fact. But uh, quickly to wrap up this sort of regional nuclear uh, saber rattling, uh, India also test fired a medium range missile with nuclear capabilities last week. Uh, on the eve of the second anniversary of the attacks on Mumbai, mm-hmm. uh, the hotels there, and um, reading from uh, James Lamont's article in the uh, November 26th uh, Financial Times, senior Indian officials regard Beijing's grip on Islamabad as firmer than on neighboring Burma's military rulers, and the country's security establishment is increasingly worried about China's military buildup. Of course, China and India do have uh, unresolved border disputes on the uh, northeastern tip of India there. Um, but, again, more uh, tensions in the region regarding, uh, uh, let's face it, three nuclear powers lined up against each other. India, Pakistan, China. Uh what sort of future alliance there may be is hard to say. Iran, I think, and China and India have uh, similar long-term interests in you know, the increasing uh, strength of the Asian uh, economy. Um, where Pakistan's going to fit into that is anybody's guess because it doesn't seem to fit in with itself. No. And I'm sure there's plenty of embarrassing stuff about Pakistan in the WikiLeaks. Um, I saw a very bizarre thing last week, and that was about half an hour of an interview by Sarah Palin, whose uh, TV show seems to have collapsed. Sarah Palin's Alaska? Yeah, in one week, it apparently, I don't know, it dropped off the charts in terms of viewership. (laughs) But what was very, very strange about this interview with Sean Hannity on his show was the appearance of Palin. Her face, and this is just comes out of the weird um, imaginings that I have about f- film and propaganda, The Wizard of Oz, the sort of weird brainwashing that seems to be part of the whole Palin cult of personality. She was, her face was illuminated on a very dark background. I'd never seen an interview conducted like this in any way, shape, or form in American history of a political figure face well lit up on a completely dark background. She was wearing some sort of red velvety thing with some fur on her collar, and that was all you could see, the illuminated face where she started talking about everything, including uh, her her, her opining about the... uh, the QE2 business and the you know the recent easing mm. of monetary policy by the Fed, and I was kind of amazed that Palin would even talk about such a subject since she sort of resigned the governorship of Alaska because they had to do some real budget cutting up there, and she just didn't. That was just too tough for her, so she invented a a trope against the mainstream media, the liberal media, right. which she attacked, and she of course had the obligatory. Attacks on the mainstream media, and uh, this is all part of her new promotion of her new book, which she emphasizes, Flag and Family. Um, In that order? (laughs) 
More or less, yes. That's the true fascist way, after and, all. And faith. Yeah, she left out Fox and fascism. But yeah, well. She was into the Fs. I, I kept thinking of the 4-H. When you stand on the podium of Fox News and denounce the liberal yeah. mainstream media uh, while selling your book through other mainstream media outlets, uh, you don't have a leg to stand on. Yeah, but, uh, it, it was bizarre. And, of course, incredibly, she is, in most opinion polls, the leading Republican candidate for 2012 and i was blown away because just during that week i'd been reading a book about american history from the 20th century i was actually checking out another chapter but just out of uh, coincidence i checked out the chapter on the 1920s that was entitled affluence anxiety and hard times which talks about the roaring 20s but also the rebirth of the ku klux klan mm. And what was incredibly striking to me as I read the the lessons, this is sort of a history um, seminar-style book. It's, it's sort of almost like a textbook. Occasionally it's interesting to occasionally go back to school. But what was fascinating about the little chapter on uh, the Ku Klux Klan is how uh, what a striking resemblance its constitution has to the Tea Party movement. I wanted to share you uh, the some of the uh, <clears throat> common elements here that I think are very, very troubling because, of course, the mainstream media won't touch this. Uh, there's been some criticism of the Tea Party, but they've been able to hit the softballs out and claim that they're not racist, even though many of the rallies had elements of it. Very clear, yeah. Racist pictures and whatnot. And, of course, the messages that are reinforced repeatedly on Fox by Beck, Hannity... Limbaugh, and to a lesser extent, Palin herself. But in the uh, what's interesting about the Ku Klux Klan is that their power grew in the 1920s after the end of World War One, uh, and it did particularly well, interestingly enough, in Maine, Indiana, and Wisconsin, among other states. And these were some of the most uh, should we say uh, states that had the biggest change in, in political fortunes in this past election? And, of course, the main feature of the uh, Klan's Constitution, which was uh, officially issued in uh, 1925, is to unite white male persons, native-born Gentiles of the United States of America, who owe no allegiance to any nation or degree to any foreign government, nation, institution, sect, ruler, person, or people whose morals are good, whose reputations and vocations are respectable, whose habits are exemplary, who are of sound minds and 18 years or more of age under a common oath into a brotherhood of strict regulations. Cultural. Then it goes into the uh, cultural aspects. It says the Klansmen are examples of pure patriotism. Klansmen are dedicated to the principle that America shall be made American through the promulgation of American doctrines, the dissemination of American ideals, the creation of wholesome American sentiment, and the preservation of American institutions. You hear this rhetoric repeatedly from Tea Party members, if you listen carefully, that word Americanism. They keep talking about exceptionalism, American exceptionalism. They keep suggesting by inference that Barack Obama is other 
Newt Gingrich did this repeatedly in the run-up to the election. And, of course, it's finally uh, what's interesting is the protective element of it. Obviously, they want to maintain the supremacy, God-given supremacy of the white races, they put it. But how fascinating that the protective element of the um, Ku Klux Klan's constitution is to shield the sanctity of the home. The American home is fundamental to all that is best in life and society in church and the nation. Womanhood, the Ku Klux Klan declares it's committed to the sacred duty of protecting womanhood and announces that one of its purposes is to shield the chastity of womanhood, the helpless, to protect the weak, the innocent, the defenseless from the indignities, wrongs and outrages of the lawless, violent, and brutal. The other. Yeah. And, of course, American interests to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States of America and all laws passed into its conformity thereto and to protect the states and people thereof from invasion of their rights from any source whatsoever. Well, of course, the KKK took issue with a number of uh, later uh, amendments to the U.S. Constitution, which they rejected as against their own interests. So I thought it was fascinating. That's when uncanny. Unrevealing, you know, reviewing some other stuff that was actually in this textbook to actually go back and revisit the remarkable similarity between the rhetoric of the 1920s Ku Klux Klan and the recent uh, Tea Party movement and its its words. They talk repeatedly about the Constitution. Palin, in fact, was on television extolling her new book, which I forget the exact title, but it's something like Of the Heart, Protecting Family, Flag, and Faith. Uh, you get the message there. She kept talking about America. I will, ne- I will never apologize for America. That was one of her repeated themes on right. Hannity's uh, program. Fascinating stuff and uh, really interesting uh, Fox News brainwashing that's uh, repeated on almost all their news shows, quote-unquote, with these Mm, hidden code words and explicit, uh, the explicit rhetoric that they use uh, that's downright frightening. Well, and of course, the great irony of such arguments are that faith is not under attack in any way, shape, or form in this country. We no. have religious liberties that are the envy of the world. Nor um, our, our gun, owning guns, for instance. Exactly. Gun, uh, gun sales exploded under Obama, by the way. One of the parts of the economy that did quite well in... Uh, 2009 <laughs> look for those silver linings <laughs> america is more armed and dangerous than ever and, and that makes us strong and of course apologizing you know i i don't you know i that's just such a bizarre the examples of obama apologizing about america's Pretty much non-existent. Well, and to acknowledge a mistake is a mature, responsible thing to do. It's yeah. it's not uh, traitorous or treasonous at all to say, well, that was probably the wrong thing to do. Uh, certainly, Obama has not explicitly denounced any American policies or practices. He's turned out to be a bigger militarist than anybody on the left would have anticipated. I think many thought we'd be out of Afghanistan by now. Hoped we wouldn't. Of course, yeah. needless to say, they've already, in a recent uh, NATO summit just two weeks ago, pretty much agreed to commit uh, the United States to 2014 right. to be in Afghanistan, though 
with a so-called caveat that there uh, should be uh, – this is the, the date when we'll turn over security to the, uh, the quote-unquote Afghan forces, which – good luck. Yeah. How ready are they going to be? As far as protecting the American family is concerned, uh, some really disturbing news about the foreclosure process uh, coming out of uh, Florida, uh, in specific in this article, but generally it's nationwide. Uh, these uncontested foreclosures that are processed by judges in sometimes less than a minute oh, file. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This uh, process that uh, essentially serves the interest of the plaintiffs. Uh, the banks who gave out all these foolish bad loans sure. and, and then later sold them off to other holders. Uh, and now it's the working poor who are being, you know, made to bear the brunt of this, uh, whereas the banks appear to be getting their money back. Well, and fraud and misfortune are at the heart of so many of these uh, financial catastrophes. It's interesting that over the weekend, uh, the European Union and the IMF came up with a uh, loan agreement, a, a loan package to uh, bail out Ireland. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the numbers on this are staggering. Um, 112, yeah, there it is. It's, uh, no, wait, that's the wrong article. It's it's basically 112 uh, billion uh, euros or about $125 billion, $130 billion, roughly speaking. And uh, an absolutely incredible article in the November 11th uh, edition of the New York uh, Review of Books regarding the specifics of the Ireland housing crisis and how the party uh, in power since uh, 1997, uh, which resembled the uh, Republican Party in terms of rhetoric, uh, deregulation, uh, you know, low taxes, that sort of simplistic uh, agenda that they had. Uh, the housing bubble in uh, in Ireland is just staggering, and uh, this article by Ian Jack, Ireland: The Rise and the Crash, uh, reviewing a book, Ship of Fools, a famous song by both the Grateful Dead and Doors, and the, the Doors, and a well respected short story, I believe, by Catherine Ann Porter, hmm. Ship of Fools. You know, it's uh, it's a perfect little metaphor for things. But the uh, the Prime Minister of Ireland at one point, who apparently went on speaking tours uh, in the mid part of the Audis, uh as a uh, telling all the nations around the world to follow the the Celtic Tiger, the miracle, says that the bank lending for construction and real estate in Ireland rose from five billion euros, five and a half billion euros, in nineteen ninety nine to $96.2 billion in 2007, an increase of 1,730%. And this is exactly what happened here in the United States writ large, mm-hmm. overbuilding, overborrowing, overlending, overspeculating, overhyping, and promoting this all with the, um, the, the, the miracle of lower taxes, less regulation. And selling off debt and selling off debt and selling yes. off debt. Selling off debt and then, of course, relying on a bailout of, of just monstrous proportions here to actually bail out uh, Ireland and its uh, financial crisis because the banks are basically broke and uh, Europe is worried about contagion. So they've come up with the money along with uh, the IMF, and we're talking about incredible interest rates, incredible austerity programs 
And as I have advised Americans for quite some time now, pay attention to what's going on in Britain with these austerity measures that the liberal Democrats and conservative government have come up with. <clears throat> might so, be coming our way. <laughs> might be coming our way, especially now that Boner Boehner is in charge. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time. I want to quickly mention that the November 29th uh, issue of The Nation is still on newsstands. And uh, you mentioned this article last week, The Money and Media Election Complex by John, Mc uh, John Nichols and Robert McChesney.